Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. This is Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the title of this episode, this is episode 21, John 14.6, part 1. And the reason that it's part 1 is because I'm going to try something a little new for the next few weeks. I'm going to take John 14.6 and I'm going to break it into three parts so that we can really dive in to each thing that Jesus says and look at them kind of more in depth. And listen, this is not, none of these podcast episodes that I do is ever the definitive look at whatever subject it is. It's more or less, it's just what's on my heart about that subject at the time. Um, you guys know I like to keep these uh, relatively short, and uh, do the uh, guerrilla gospel, hit and run, get in, make my point, give you something to chew on, but not to choke on, and get out. So when when we're talking about these things, this isn't everything that there is to say about it, obviously. But uh, it is nice to be able to really kind of slow down and dive in deep, well, you know, a little bit deep, uh, on a, on a certain subject or a certain topic or a certain theme, or in this case, in the next couple of weeks, a certain word. Because John 14, 6 reads like this, and Jesus, it's, you know, it's Jesus. I, I always go to Jesus. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. So again, I want to break this verse into three weeks. I want to talk about the way, and then next week I'll talk about the truth, and then the week after that I'll talk about the life. Because I think this verse, it's so important that we understand who Jesus is. Because in understanding who Jesus is, we can understand who we are. That's what we've been talking about a lot, uh, you know, in the previous weeks about God sending the Spirit of His Son into our hearts so that we might know Him, God, as Father, and so that we might know ourselves as that self-same Son. Um, I think it's very important every time Jesus identified Himself that we understand that He wasn't just identifying Himself, He was also identifying us. And you see this a lot in the Scripture, especially in places where like, uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he also said, you are the light of the world. Anytime Jesus was describing himself or shining that light of the world on himself, he was doing it in order to show us who we are by showing us who he is. As he is, so are we in this world. It's only in understanding who Jesus is that we can understand who we truly are. Because who we truly are is who we are in Christ which is who Christ is in us. And I like the way that, uh, you know, even at the, at the end of this verse, when he says, no man can come to the Father except through me, I don't think this was him putting a hoop in front of us to, to make us jump through. I, think, I don't think Jesus ever really told us what to do as much as he told us how to do it. He was telling us how to come to the Father. You know, just like we talked about when we talked about the shepherd and his sheep, the one who tries to go into the sheepfold any other way but through the door is a thief and a robber. And there's kind of a lot of similarities between this 
message today and the one last week. Um, I tried not to cover too much ground again, but when you're talking about the way, you know, there there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of similar, similarities. Um, but I just want to say, uh, before we get into all my other scripture that I want to read today, when Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he was saying is, he is the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, and the life of the Father. Everything Jesus did in his earthwalk ministry, he always pointed it back to the Father. He didn't want credit for anything. He would say things like, you know, I can do nothing of myself, but only what my Father tells me to do. He said things like, I only say what I hear my Father say, and I only do what I see my Father do. He always pointed it back to the Father. And, uh, you know, just as a tiny little sidebar, I see a lot of things, you know, especially lately, I think people are getting really uh, turned off by what we think of as organized religion, because it seems like when a pastor starts to get successful, instead of pointing to Jesus or instead of pointing to God, he kind of starts to point to himself. And I think that can be a big turnoff for a lot of people. Uh, because, you know, even as, as I was trying to say last week about the shepherd and his sheep, um, it, it can be very tricky to follow a natural leader. It can be very tricky to hitch your wagon to a person not named Jesus. So, uh, I think it's vitally important that especially those who are in ministry always point back to the source, always point back to the God who is love. So if we move on, uh, I want to read John 10, 9. And again, this is Jesus, the red letters. It reads, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And I just wanted to bring that up because, again, that whole passage in John chapter 10 where he's talking about the sheepfold and how he's the gate and how the robber comes to steal and kill and to destroy and how the robber is uh, trying to get into the sheepfold any other way. And, you know, I, I think I really kind of hit this hard last week, so I don't want to hit it too hard this week. But it's so important that when we're talking about Jesus being the way, and then he says, those who come in through me will be saved. I want to at least shine a light on what, to me, it means to be saved. Because almost immediately, people think, if I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. If I'm not saved, I'm going to hell. And I've spent quite a bit of time, quite a bit more time than I usually do, talking about sin and hell and all of that stuff. So I don't want to uh, focus too much time and attention on that. I just want to say, to me, being saved means simply being in the sheepfold, in the kingdom of God, in the days of heaven on earth right now. And again, that's what it talks about when, when he says, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. To me, that's not about an afterlife. That's about life. That's about where we are now. That's about who we are now. That's about what we're doing now. But I just wanted to uh, reinforce when he said he is the way, he is the gate. So now let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. 
He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So when we're talking about Jesus being the way, when we're talking about Jesus being the gate, when we're talking about being saved, when we're talking about coming and going freely, finding good pastures, experiencing the life that he came for us to give, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said in another place, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We're talking about life here. We're talking about a life of love. Jesus' abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life. What it comes down to is all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus is the way, and he made the way. It's the way of grace. And our part in this whole deal, we don't need to make the way. Jesus already did. What we do is we respond. And how we respond to the way of grace is with the walk of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says in another place, the just will live by faith. When we know that the work is finished, we can stop trying to finish the work and we can enjoy the fruit of Jesus's labor. We can know that when he cried out on the cross, it is finished, that he meant it is finished. And we don't have to finish it. And the thing with that is under not, not just understanding that the work is finished, but seeing that the work is finished. Like, okay, if, if you're a parent and you tell your child that they have a chore today, they have to mow the lawn, right? And then you leave and go to work or, or whatever it is you're probably going to at least think about whether or not the lawn has been mowed. And depending on your child, you might think about, oh man, I'm, I'm going to have to mow the lawn when I get home because I know that little rascal didn't do it. And then even like, let's say you get a text from your child that says, got the lawn mowed, it's done. Until you get home and you see that lawn, there may still be some doubt in your mind. And to me, that's a picture of how a lot of quote-unquote Christians live their lives. We live our lives with anxiety about whether or not the work is truly finished, and we spend, or, or I guess I should say waste, our three T's, our time, our talent, and our treasure, trying to finish a work that has already been finished. We don't necessarily believe that God did what he said he was going to do, and we think we have to do what he said he was going to do in order for it to be done. But then when the parent gets home and he sees that the lawn is, in fact, mowed, when he sees that the work is, in fact, finished, then he can put his mind at ease because he's seen the, the finished work and he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. And in the same way, God has positioned himself to not only tell us, but to show us that the work is finished. He gave us his spirit so that we can know without doubt that he did what he said he was going to do. The Bible says in another place that we have an unction from the Holy Spirit and we know all things. The problem is very often that we don't understand everything that we know or we don't believe everything that we know. You can't believe something that you don't know, but sometimes it seems like we don't 
believe everything we do know. So it's all about the Spirit. Jesus is the way. Jesus is Spirit. God is Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is how we can come to the Father. No man comes to the Father but by Jesus. It's all the same thing. It's all a picture of uh, the Father and the Son. It's all a picture of His indwelling Spirit transforming us into what we've already been transformed into. So now let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Now see, in the Old Covenant, in the, uh, in the tabernacle of Moses, there was a literal curtain that separated everybody from the most holy place where God dwelt. And the high priest could come in there, but only at certain times and only in certain ways after uh, quite a bit of ceremonial washing and all of these things. And, and he kind of almost stood in the gap between God and the rest of, of the people. But that's never what God wanted. That's kind of all that man could handle at the time without the Holy Spirit, without the indwelling Holy Spirit. But then on the cross, when Jesus died by his death, because of his blood, that curtain was rent or torn in half from top to bottom. And the reason that that's important is man couldn't reach the top of the curtain. So man's effort had nothing to do with getting rid of that uh, self-imposed separation between God and man. It's the same idea that when, when Adam and Eve, way back in the Misty Garden of Eden, when, when, they, when they sinned or, or disbelieved or unbelieved, and they ate from the tree of death, they hid from the presence of God. Uh, the presence of God was still there. God did exactly what he had always done and treated them exactly as he always had. But on their part, on their side, they thought, man, I messed up and God's going to punish me, which was never the case at all. God, in fact, uh, saw them in their, uh, they were naked and ashamed, and God saw that. They had a problem that they tried to, to fix with fig leaves, and God saw that. And instead of being mad at them and punishing them and kicking them when they were down, what God did was he fixed their problem for them. He covered them with animal skins, with lamb skin. He covered them with himself so that they wouldn't have to be ashamed of their nakedness. God wasn't bothered by their nakedness, but man was. And God didn't like that. God didn't want that. So God solved that problem for them. And, and in the same way, with this curtain between man and the most holy place of God, uh, God took care of that problem too. He tore the curtain from top to bottom, and he, he made sure that there was no separation between God and man. God didn't separate us. We separated ourselves from him, but God fixed that problem for us because he loves us. He's the one who, who, who tore the curtain. He's the one who took away the separation that we had self-imposed. We hid from his presence, but he was always there, and, and he swore that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So to me, that's pretty powerful. And again, it's just this, this, is, this is the way. This is why we have full uh, available access to our God. I know that there are some other uh, religions out there or, or, you know, some other ideas out there that say that uh, you need to talk to somebody and then that person will talk to God for you. 
but I don't I don't believe in that I don't agree with that I think we have full uh, unfettered access to our Heavenly Father because he lives inside of us like you can't get any closer to him than he has gotten to you a lot of times when we think we're holding on to God with with all our strength we're holding on as much as we can what we need to realize is, as great as that is, and you should cling to God, I think that's a very safe place to be and a very safe thing to do. Um, but when we think we're holding on to him and we can't let go, what we need to realize is that he's holding on to us and he won't let go. So we don't have to worry about losing him or being separated from him. Or Listen, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I know I'm going to do one of these episodes about that because I think it's awesome. So now let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose it. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. And while I like the, the turn of phrase, highway to hell, just, just know that he did not... Uh, compare and contrast heaven and hell here. He compared and contrast life and hell. And I believe in the King James Version it reads, the road to destruction is is broad. So again, if we, if we understand hell as just the place of the dead, we can stop thinking about hell as an eternal fiery prison for quote-unquote bad people, which I think is horrible theology. But you guys know that if you've been, been listening to the podcast here. Um, the point of this, to me, the one I wanted to hit on was the narrow gate. The gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. And again, this was Jesus talking, but what you have to understand is that this was Jesus talking before the cross. This was Jesus talking to people who were under the law. The law made it very hard. Well, let me restate that. The law made it absolutely impossible to achieve or enjoy or experience this life that God wanted us to have. Especially when you understand that Jesus came and, and took it even to a whole nother level when he said, you know, if if you hate your neighbor, you've committed murder in your heart. Like he, he took it even out of the realm of behavior and in, in, into the realm of, of thoughts and, and desires and things of that nature. He made it totally and completely impossible to follow the law, which by the way, is the point of the law. The law was given to show that we cannot keep it. The law was given to show that we need a Savior. And then the Savior Jesus came and he nailed that, that handwriting of ordinance to the tree, or, or again, the Ten Commandments, which were written in God's hand handwriting uh, on the tablets that he gave to Moses. Jesus nailed those to the tree or to the cross, fulfilled them, and moved out of an old covenant and into a new covenant. And it drives me crazy that people are still stuck on all those, even those top 10. Like, I understand that those are good things. I'm not saying they're not. I agree with the things that are on, on the list of the Ten Commandments. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if you're trying so hard to follow a rule or to not break a rule, you're missing out on everything else that is available to you. If it's all about rules and regulations for you, where is the love, right? And if you have love for one another, that's the only true way to fulfill the law. Because if I love you, I'm not going to lie to you. 
just because I love you. I'm not even going to think about lying to you. I'm not even going to want to lie to you. I'm not even going to need to lie to you. I'm going to be so uh, in love with you. And I'm not talking about necessarily in a romantic sense. I'm just talking about, you know, just just unselfish, sacrificial, agape, God love, where, where you just love people. And when you love people, you're not going to do them dirty. You're not going to do them wrong. You're going to esteem them higher than yourself. You're going to look onto their needs and not worry about your own. And that's uh, that life of service is that abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of God that I mentioned earlier. It's his life of love. Think about Jesus getting down on his hands and knees and washing his disciples' feet simply because he wanted them to be clean. The master served the disciples, which shows what the master is all about. Like we saw last week, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He wasn't a hired hand. He didn't care about himself. He wasn't doing it uh, for what he could gain. He was doing it for what he could give. And that's what love is. Love is giving. So when we're talking about this straight and narrow gate, when we're talking about this... Uh, this very narrow way, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, sometimes what we're talking about is self-control. Sometimes we're talking about doing things that w wouldn't necessarily occur to us to do, quote-unquote, in the natural. We're talking about letting God live His life in us and through us and as us. It's the power of God working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But now watch this, because I think this gets really good. Oh, first I wanted to read it in uh, in the yeah in the King James. I wanted to read that verse. It says, "Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there are that find it." So, the way, Jesus, the way to life, the way to the Father, God is light love, and life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're getting to, again, his life. And, and, and listen, nobody can live Jesus's life except Jesus. So in order to experience his life, we have to let him live his life in us and through us and as us. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. That's what we're talking about. Now watch this. Proverbs Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 in the King James Version. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now in just a second, I'm going to contrast that with a verse in Proverbs that uh, really hopefully uh, shocks us out of our senses, or, or, or I guess into our senses, but the point here is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Everything in life that really matters is a heart matter. Guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life, right? We live from the inside out, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not. What's inside you will come out of you uh, as much as you believe that it's in there. That's what faith is, and that's why faith is so important and so powerful. What you believe is inside you will come out. If you believe it's just bitterness and hurt, that's what's going to come out. But if you believe it's the love and the grace and the mercy 
and the forgiveness and the holiness and the righteousness of God, then that's what will come out. Whatever you believe is inside you will come out because your faith makes it too big to keep it inside. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I mean, it's really that simple. When they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and spirit and love your neighbor as yourself. He, he literally made it every single time. He made it all about love because it's all about love. God is love. What else would the God who is love be concerned with? What else could the heart, the keeper of love, be concerned with? If you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart, you can really walk that straight and narrow way because you trust him that it's the more excellent way. You trust him that, okay, it's not always easy. Okay, I don't understand how this will get me where I'm going. I see things to the right. I see things to the left that I might necessarily think are, are probably not necessarily even good for me, but I might think that those are things that I want when God's like, okay, but I know what you need. And, and what you need is life. To live is to love and to love is to live. It's all about love. Lean not on your own understanding. You may think that that's the right way to go, but God knows the right way to go. He knows the end from the beginning. And then it's a, and I want to contrast that with Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 in the King James Version, which says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So sometimes we think we know the right way to go, when in fact the right way to go is Jesus. There's a way that seems right to us, and then there's the more excellent way, which is Jesus. If we want to get where we're going in the uh, best way possible, it's Jesus. It's love. It's simply uh, acknowledging him in all our ways and letting him direct our path. Like, like if you were to truly like get into your prayer time and you were to say, God, this is what I want. How can I best accomplish that? And when you hit if you had lined up what you want with what God wants for you, you don't think that he will accomplish that for you? I guarantee you he will. And I can use myself for an example on this. Uh, I've been writing ever since I can remember being able to hold a pencil. And most of what I wrote was what my grandma would uh, generously call trash or filth. Uh, you know, just fiction, just nothing, nothing too bad, but, you know, just, just like crime fiction or, or, or horror fiction or w what have you. Um, it wasn't until I turned my writing gift, and I absolutely do believe that it's a gift, uh, it wasn't until I started writing Jesus books and using my gift to glorify the one who had given it to me, it wasn't until I turned my attention away from my own desires and uh, towards my God-given desires. Again, it's the power of God working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I started finishing writing books and I started publishing books and I even sold a couple of books. And, uh, and for me, that was a big deal. That was success to me. Uh, just accomplishing something, just taking the gift that I'd been given and creating something worthwhile 
with it. And I'm not saying fiction is not worthwhile. I still read a lot of fiction. Uh, I'm not judging anybody who does. I, I, I think fiction is great. I think reading for pleasure is awesome. What I'm saying is when, when I acknowledged him in all my ways, he started to direct my path. I found a publisher. I found, you know, again, uh, I, I, I finished writing things. I started a lot of stories, but I finished a lot of Jesus books. And to me, that's a big, important difference. Uh, there was a way that seemed right to me, but it wouldn't get me anywhere. And then I trusted in the Lord with all my heart, and I stopped leaning on my understanding, and I acknowledged Him, and He directed my paths. And that's when things uh, started to make sense, and that's when things really started to happen. So let's keep going. Luke chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled, and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened, and the rough places made smooth. There's a lot here, but I want to dig into it a little bit. Uh, the first thing I like is, pro Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, which seems to mean that we have to do something in order for him to do something. But then it says, clear the road for him. So we prepare the way by getting out of the way. We prepare the way for the Lord's coming by letting go and letting God, by letting Jesus take the wheel, by saying, I can't do this. I want you to. And God, you know, God will say, okay, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You can't, so I will. I love that. Prepare the way, clear the road. Just get out of the way. He's going to do some work. He's going to finish the work. And then we're going to have a straight and narrow path that we can uh, travel down. And one thing I wanted to mention about the narrow path is that seems constricting. But guess what? A lot of times, to me, that just makes things really simple. If my choice is love one another as I have loved you, and that's my only choice, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. I can't go off track because the track is straight and narrow. I just stay in my lane. I just do my thing. I let God love me and I love him back by loving the people that I come into contact with. That makes it so simple for me. And you know, I always say, oh, I just like everybody because it's easier that way. I think a straight and narrow path is easy. You know, it's only hard when you are looking outside of the path. It's only hard when you think you don't want to be on the path. It's only hard when there's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. So instead of thinking we know better, instead of thinking, man, this road is so hard. If I could just take that shortcut, it would be so much better. Man, just trust in God. He knows the way because he is the way. And that's where I want to end tonight or today or whenever you listen to it. Isaiah chapter 30 verses 20 and 21. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, and I want to stop right there, I think that, I don't think the Lord gives us uh, anything like that in, in the sense of trying to uh, mature us, you know. I don't think God makes people sick. Uh, I don't think that's part of his plan. I think God has created a world and created the rules of the world and set those into motion and then given us a measure of free will where we can do what we do with the world 
So in, 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 in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, from that understanding that comes without the indwelling Holy Spirit, I think they blamed everything on God, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. But uh, I don't think the Lord gives us adversity and suffering. I think that's just part of living. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Life happens. But it says, Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. And I think we can learn from any situation that we go through. I don't think God necessarily uh, tries to trip us up so that we can learn how to get back up. I think when we get tripped up, he will teach us how to get back up. And I, I think that's an important distinction because I don't think it's fair to, to, to blame God for the bad stuff. And then it seems like we blame God for the bad stuff and we take credit for the good stuff. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. But anyway, it says, you will see your teacher with your own eyes. That's so important. I preach and teach and rant all the time about, uh, I believe it's in First John where it talks about, beloved, we are the sons of God and we don't know what we are, but when we see him, that's when we'll be like him, when we when he appears to us. I think it's so important that we see our teacher with our own eyes, because what you see is what you be. When you look in the mirror, not at the mirror, when you look at the mirror, you see the surface stuff. When you look in the mirror and you see Jesus in the mirror, which means in you, that's when you're changed into that same image from glory to glory. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, and that's important that it's behind you because the work the, the work is finished. It happened. It's in your past. It's not something that needs to happen. It's not something we're hoping for. It is finished. It's behind us. And that's the same thing that we see in Revelation when, when John wrote of a voice coming from behind him. It's, it's coming from the past tense. It's coming from it is finished. It's not something we need, it's something we have. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Anytime we start to stray off the path, God will chasten and correct us, like any loving father chasten and corrects the children that he loves. Being chastened and being corrected is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. In fact, it's a great thing. Uh, when you're way off course and your heavenly father can put you back on the way, Man, to me, that's great. That's that's praise God. That's thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's a voice behind us saying, you don't have to go that way. And I try to do that with my son all the time, uh, just from my own experience. But it usually works out like this. I'll tell him, buddy, my recommendation would be to do this. But I understand that you need to figure this out on your own, and you may need to learn this lesson on your own. If you do it your own way, I'm still going to be here for you. I think you should do it this way, but listen, you're going to do what you're going to do. And that's kind of how I deal with all people. They're going to do what they're going to do. I can't really stop people from, from doing anything. Just got to, you know, try to love them anyway and, and stay out of their way. But uh, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it behooves us to listen to that spirit to uh, to trust him with all our heart. Because again, I say this all the time, obedience is a trust issue. If you trust God, you won't have a problem doing what he says. 
especially when you understand that the only thing he ever says is love. God is love and he loves you. He says, I love you. Love me back by loving people. Period. Full stop. That's what God's about because that's who God is. So when he's directing us which way to go, he's always directing us to love. And what I mean by that is he's directing us to his love and he's directing us to love each other. It's all about love. The way that Jesus is, the way to the Father, is love. Okay? That's that's the key. That's the bridge. That's the road. That's the straight and narrow way. That's that's the gate. That's the key. That's everything. It's all love. Um, when you're walking in, in love, when you're walking on love, when you're walking by faith and not by sight, when you're loving people, no matter what the situation looks like, that's when you're experiencing, I'll say it one more time, the abundant, everlasting, eternal, resurrection life of God. And when you're experiencing that life, you understand your true purpose. You understand why you were created. You were created to be a son to your heavenly father. And when you start to experience that, that's when everything else lines up. That's when everything else makes sense. That's when you can stop running around like a chicken with its head cut off, trying to be someone you're not, in order to get what you think you haven't got. That's when you can know the love of a father. And in knowing it, you can experience it by giving it away. That's what it means to come to the father. It means, you know, and it's funny, you know, like the the, the story of the prodigal child, when, when he was kind of slinking back to daddy's house, and he was defeated and, and beaten down by the world, and he thought, well... I hope my dad will take me back in. And and what did dad do? Dad ran out to him and, and embraced him and, and, and welcomed him back with open arms. God allows U-turns. And in fact, I think, you know, I, I think he promotes them. I think he, he wants them. I think he encourages them. If you're going the wrong way, God will tell you the right way. And then you respond to that. He has made the way of grace. And we respond with the walk of faith. So that's what was on my heart for this week. Like I said, next week and the week after, we're going to continue with this verse, with this series. John, uh, what is it? John 14, 6. Next week we'll do part two, and we'll talk about the truth. And then the week after we'll do part three, and we'll talk about the life. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying what I'm doing here, uh, any feedback, if you guys want to feedback, you, you know, jesusrant.com, uh, my contact information is there, or you can find me on Facebook or some of the other socials, uh, that's all in the promotion stuff at the end, but I just really want to say I am thankful and grateful for all of the support that I am getting, um, the fact that anybody listens to this at all kind of blows me away, so thank you guys for that. Thank you for your support and for telling people and helping me get this word out, word without walls, just trying to, to make the love of God as available as, as possible. Um, so thank you for all of that, and we will see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think 
people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.